Welcome back to another episode of the Spin Sucks Podcast, which is not actually the Spin Sucks Podcast for the month of August. Right now, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to be a second grade teacher, especially because I thought I retired from teaching on June 6th. Alas, here we are again. While I rush around like a crazy person trying to put together last-minute plans, you get to enjoy an episode of the Agency Leadership Podcast, which I co-host with Chip Griffin. In this episode, we talk about how we can offer services such as social media, community building, and crisis, and still be able to have a life, sleep, and perhaps even become a teacher. It should help you think about how to set boundaries and expectations, even if you don't own an agency, and how to reframe the conversation with an executive. Enjoy! If you're a communications pro who works hard, doesn't compromise quality, and gets the job done, welcome home. We'll share our tips, tricks, and stories, and together we will change the face of PR. Spin sucks, but we don't. With the Spin Sucks Podcast, here's Jenny Dietrich. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Agency Leadership Podcast. I'm Chip Griffin. And I am Jenny Dietrich. And we've got a great episode ahead of us today, but first I wanted to give a shout out to the founder of the FIR Podcast Network, who is getting ready to record the 1,000th episode 1,000. of FIR. That's it's crazy. It's unbelievable. 1,000. Right? Yeah. And here we are on episode 18. So, <laughs> you know, we'll we, be there we someday. 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 Now, in fairness, Shell Holtz and Neville Hobson did have an advantage in the early days if you can call it that, in that they recorded twice a week. So they were able to squeeze in 100 episodes a year as opposed to us doing it weekly where we right, only do right. 52. And I just looked inside PR is 534, and I think it started wow. in 2006. So, yeah. So he's doubled it. That's crazy. It is absolutely insane, but it is a great listen, continues to be. And, and the, the network that he's put together and, and that this show is part of, I think is uh, really fabulous for the communications community. Totally agree. Congratulations, and, Shell. That's great. Absolutely. Congratulations, Shell. And uh, another milestone uh, this week. Uh, I don't think it was number 1,000, but I believe that you may have had a birthday. <laughs> it was definitely not 1,000. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, no, it was definitely not. Pro- probably even less than 534. <laughs> it is less than 534 as well. <laughs> but I suspect higher than 18. So Higher than 18, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, yes, this is episode number whatever of GD. Of my life. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yes. you. So, happy birthday. We, Thanks. We will not sing it or I will not sing it for two reasons. Uh, one is uh, I am not good at singing. And secondly, we don't want to pay the royalties to use that song, which really boggles my mind that you can't sing happy birthday in a commercial setting without paying a royalty. But I know that's crazy. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yep. So, so I guess with that, we will jump into the more meaningful topics of the week, or at least for those people listening to this podcast who may be less interested in birthdays, my and birthday. anniversaries of shows and things <laughs> like that. So in any event, let's jump in and we're going to talk about how to basically take client projects and make them of a manageable scale. And it's based on a particular question that came up in the Spin Sucks community, mm-hmm. as so many of these shows do. It's a, a great place to be. So if you're not part of it, I encourage you to reach out to Ginny and join. Ginny, why don't you tell us about this particular question and then we'll share a few 
thoughts on it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. So he asked, you know, when it comes to social media, we've taken the safe approach and offered to our clients consulting, ideation, content, audits, etc., but no actual management. He said, we used to offer it a few years ago, but continue to run into expectation issues with clients. I can't imagine. <laughs> Mostly because our clients wanted our team to be 24-7 on and often they wouldn't approve content fast enough or send us imagery requested to make it relevant, interesting, all that kind of stuff. And to give them what they wanted and needed, especially for that 24-7 being on holidays and all that, weekends and nights, we would have to charge more than they're willing to pay. So we stopped offering it to avoid losing clients over a lower profitability, blah, blah, blah. But he says, during the last few months, we've had most of our new prospective clients ask for it. And when we explain why we don't do it, it concerned them. And so he's wondering... You know, do you offer social media community management? And if so, do you should suggest we reconsider this? It's a really interesting conversation because he's right. You know, clients do expect your team to be on 24-7, but they're not willing to pay the 24-7 rate. So it's an interesting conundrum I think we all have to face. It's a huge issue. And it is something that folks face, whether it's in social media management or all sorts of other things that we do as communications agencies. And trying to meet those expectations, you know, often makes the difference between a successful engagement and a profitable agency and one that is neither. Right, right. The question actually opens up all sorts of different avenues. So we probably won't be able to touch on everything that it opens up in the next 20 minutes. But, you know, hopefully we can at least hit some of the, the broad brushstrokes. And, and the place to start is how do you deal with it when a, a client or a prospect comes to you with essentially what is a wish list, right? Which is, right. You know, I would like you to be working for me 24-7 on demand whenever I kind of feel like it and you'll just be ready and your team will jump in. <laughs> how do you work with them to set the right expectations or how do you give them an alternative solution? I think that's sort of the place to start because that's where you know most people get thrown immediately, which is there's no way I can support a 24-7 operation. Well, and not only that, but I think there are situations where you can, and it's called crisis communications, right? But you mm. bill at a at a premium rate, and it's usually by the hour, and it's usually really expensive, and it's because you're in a crisis that you have to do those things. And it's usually short term, just it's, for the duration. Right. It is short term of, of the crisis, right? right? I mean, most agencies are not out there selling twenty four seven, three sixty five. Right. They're selling. Right. As certainly I've done a number of times with my various businesses over the years, 24-7, but for you know, days three, or, six, seven, yeah, 30 right. days, whatever, right. you know, whatever right. the particular crisis may be. Right. And usually the 24-7 is only for the first few days and then you back off. You still, it's more intensive and it obviously depends on what the individual crisis is. I've sure. seen some where it has been 24-7 for months on end. That's not the norm, but if it's there, it is what it is, but you just have to build a client for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are situations like that, but I think what we're talking about here is, you know, it's, <laughs> especially for consumer businesses, I think it is important for 24-7 social media management. And if you're going to have that outsourced, then you have to recognize that not only does the agency have to set it up so that their team can react, but it would be the same thing as if the client hired it internally. I mean, maybe you have shifts and you have people working shifts. So you're having to, instead of one person handling it, you have three people handling it and they have three shifts. So it's going to cost you an, an amount of money. But I don't think that unless there is a crisis, social media truly needs to be handled 24-7. Now, maybe there's a rule that we say, 
yeah, we're happy to handle this for you, but we only answer between eight and five. We don't do nights and weekends unless we're in a crisis or there's something that's firing up or something like that. And certainly we'll monitor it, but we're not going to actually engage and respond and do all those things except during business hours. So I think there are ways that you could definitely set expectations, but I don't think, especially in 2019, that you have to be on the computer every single second of every single day to see what's happening on social. Not even for the cokes of the world, I don't think you have to be. Right. I would agree with that. And I think one of the things that we've seen over the last 10, 15 years is that, you know, these instances where you have social media blowups and people say, oh, this is the death of brand X, right? Because (laughs) whatever it is, whether it was, gosh, back in the day, Motrin Moms, you remember that one? Motrin Motrin was going under because of a, a little firestorm over the weekend that at the time felt big, I'm sure, to Motrin, but my guess is most listeners here probably don't even know what the heck I'm talking about. So that shows you what the long-term impact of it was. Part of it is setting expectations, but I, I think part of it is you know, when you're an agency and you're working with a client or prospect, if they come to you and say, hey, we need 24-7, say, you know, okay, well, you know, this is what it would take for us to achieve that. You know, here's what we would suggest instead mm-hmm. and give them an alternative option. I'm a big believer that you know when you're working with clients or prospects, you try not to say hard no. Sure. And instead, you try to redirect them towards, well, here's an option that you may like better. And particularly in, in something like that with a 24-7 operation, the client has to understand that they would need to have someone available to the agency 24-7 yes. as well, right? Yes. Because you, as was pointed out in the original question, you know, there needs to be someone to approve things and mm-hmm. make decisions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so- if they're not going to staff for it, then it doesn't make sense for you as the agency to because all that that means is the client is overpaying because if they don't have the infrastructure on their own end to handle whatever's coming from the agency, what's the point? Right, right. And that's a really good point too, that there has to be a certain amount of autonomy on the agency side. From a social media perspective, you can't sit around and wait for content to be approved and imagery to be sent and all those kinds of things. So those are things you have to consider as well. If it's, and I have some background knowledge on this particular agency owner, and I know that they focus mostly on fitness centers. And Mm. if it's something that's local, yeah, sure. We're happy to do that. We have a photographer on staff who can come out once a week to take photos and make sure that we have the right imagery and all of that. And here's how much it costs. If you want to provide that, that's great. But here's what we expect. We have to have imagery for the following week by Wednesday. Like you have to set those kinds of expectations so that they understand that this is what goes into it. And this is what goes into what you're asking us to do. Right. Right. I think it's also important that on the agency side, if you're looking at something that is that intensive, that you take a realistic look at what it would take from a staffing perspective. You you had mentioned earlier, you know, running shifts, but it's one of the mistakes that I've seen, in fact, Last year, at one point, I was working with someone who was putting together a proposal for a 24-7 monitoring operation for an organization, and they said, okay, yeah, right, we need three shifts, but they didn't factor in that there are seven days a week, and you're not going to have three people who are going to work seven days a week, right? (laughs) Right. So so it actually takes more than three people, right? Realistically, to cover 21 shifts, you're talking at least four, probably five, maybe even six, depending on how you break it up. So the number of bodies that you're going to require is actually fairly substantial. And so you want to think that through. And even if you're only doing it on an on-call basis, 
that still is something that you need to factor in. If you go to them and say, look, you know, we'll do 24-7, but only in a crisis, then you need to since crises sort of by their very nature don't tend to send you an email a week in advance and say, hey, we need to schedule for this, right? (laughs) We're going to have a crisis next week. So just heads up. (laughs) Right. So that means fundamentally as an agency, you need to have pre-identified if our clients have a crisis on this weekend, here's what my coverage plan is. And back when I did a lot of crisis coverage for clients, we always had that. And so we always knew who had this Saturday and this Mm -hmm. Sunday. If Mm -hmm. something cropped up and most of the time they weren't necessary, right? but you knew who they were going to be so that you had that option in place and you weren't caught flat footed when you get the call at 4 p.m. on Friday, hey, this horrible thing just happened. Or or in my experience at 7 a.m. on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Uh, okay. Thank you. Right, right. I've also overseen a lot of tech teams, and so obviously that's something from a tech team perspective you always have to to work on as well because servers are are sort of like crises. They yes. don't they don't phone ahead to let you know when they're going to have an issue. Yes, and sort of like my furnace in my house, it always seems to go bad on holidays. I, or I, when I, I it's cannot, nine degrees outside, yeah, can't go bad well, when the, it's the, fifty. Yeah, but I I cannot tell you how many Thanksgivings and Christmases we have had the HVAC <laughs> people at our house over the last twenty years. It's kind of spooky how that seems to play out. Pretty funny. Yeah. And actually, a few years ago, we had a we didn't have the HVAC people up, but we had a power outage on Thanksgiving. So that sort of we canceled Thanksgiving. Needless to say. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to because you can't cook. So yeah, you would have to. Well, we could because we could have cooked on our grill or something like that. Although it was an ice storm, so that's not really too convenient. No, that's that. not super convenient. No, not super convenient. But the bigger issue is that since I live in rural America, we have uh, well water. And so if you lose power, you don't have running water. Oh, that's a problem. That is a problem. That is a problem. That is is less than ideal. Yeah, that is less than ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I totally 100% agree with you that you never want to just outright say no, but there is an opportunity for you to say, okay, if I mean, we can do that. Yes. Here's what it'll take. Here's what it'll cost. Here are some options and here are our recommendations. Right. And I think the key to all of it is, and this is advice that I give folks on every aspect of agency operations, take a step back and ask, what are we really trying to accomplish? Right. And that's good for your internal operations, but it's good for working with clients as well. Because too often when we're talking with clients and prospects, we hear them say, oh, I want this, this, and this. And so you immediately start working on what would it cost to give them this, this, and this. But the key is to understand why they want those things. What are they trying to accomplish? And then say, look, I know this is what you're trying to accomplish. I've got a way you can do that. You'll get 90% of the benefit for 50% of the cost or whatever. And so then you know, not only can you put together something that's manageable for you to execute on, but you know, you can look like a hero to the client by yes. reducing their overall yes. bill. Right. Yes. Because we really need to be careful that we don't just become order takers from our clients. That's not a pleasant place to be in the long run. No. But it's also not where we maximize our value and therefore maximize our profitability. Which well, yeah. And we care about our job is to maximize our profitability while we take care of clients, because if you don't, you're not in business. So and clients don't want you to go out of business. So there's that piece of it too. But I do think exactly to your point, don't be an order taker. Be able to step back and say, okay, hang on a second. We actually stopped doing social media management or whatever it happens to be because of X, Y, and Z. 
we would love to be able to do it for you, but here's what it's going to take. And, you know, I think that does build a level of trust while you make them look like a hero because you have saved them, but it builds a level of trust that then it becomes a a true partnership versus a vendor relationship. Right. And I think too often we are not honest enough with our clients, right? Absolutely. We don't take the time to explain to them, you know, why it is that we want to do something or don't want to do something. And frankly, it can be a, a useful educational process for the client to sit down with them and say, okay, look, you know, what you're asking for in this particular case, this is what it would require from a manpower perspective. This is what it would require from other resources. Here's why we think that that's probably not the best solution in this particular case. And a lot of times, frankly, they won't think about those things, right? right. Because in right. their mind, I want 24-7 monitoring. Do they think about the fact that that means you know, five or six bodies? No, absolutely not. They're thinking about the outcome. They're not thinking about all of the yes. behind the scenes stuff yes. it takes to get there. And they're not so really thinking don't, don't be afraid I want to explain it. Yeah. They're not really thinking I need 24-7 monitoring. They're thinking I need people to be paying attention so that if something happens or somebody has something negative to say, we're responding in an appropriate amount of time. They're not saying in their minds, they're not thinking, oh, well, somebody's got to be on Twitter at, you know, 2 a.m. That's not what they think at all. But that's how they're communicating it is exactly. I just need somebody to be available and responding. And it doesn't take two days for a response. It takes an hour. Or if it's not during business hours, we're clear that, you know, it's, so that's what they're thinking. It, it's that versus I expect somebody to be sitting up all night watching my Twitter feed. Right. And a lot of times, you know, these sorts of requests come about because of some particular incident yep. that either has taken place already for that organization or elsewhere in the industry or something their boss heard about and said, don't ever let this happen to us, working with them to understand, you know, why are they asking for it, you know, will often, you know, help you realize, oh, look, really what they're looking for is just to make sure that they don't get caught flat footed. Right. right. It's sort of like, you know, back when I ran a media monitoring company, you know, one of the things that we often did with clients was we would set up particular monitors for the CEO's name. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. that the CEO never heard about news coverage from anyone yep. other than the people designated to monitor it, right? You wanted them to be the first ones on it. So those are the kinds of things that, you know, oftentimes people are thinking internally, but that may not be how they verbalize it to the agency. And so getting to the root of what they're trying to accomplish will often be incredibly helpful and, and frankly, strengthen the relationship as well. And, and so much of what we do as agency owners is having that kind of strong relationship yeah, with our clients yeah. because that's what keeps us going. Yep. It's chemistry, it's relationships, it's trust. Absolutely. And the other interesting thing that comes out of this question was where the original question talked about how they've been asked several times recently about this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's smart, right? If you start hearing from the marketplace on a regular basis, something that maybe you haven't heard for a few years or haven't heard at all, you know, it's new, you know, you start to pay attention to those trends and say, okay, how do I as an agency respond to that? And, you know, oftentimes it's easiest just to say, no, we don't do that. In this particular case, it's something they used to do. So it's an easy one to start figuring out, okay, do we dip our toe back in the water in some fashion? But if it's something you don't do, well, do you find a partner who can? Right, right. How do you address that? Because if you're starting to hear it consistently in the marketplace, then you want to make sure that you're adapting and not just saying, well, we've never done that. We're not going to do that. It doesn't mean you should do everything that you're asked, 
I want to be very careful to say that I'm not saying just say yes to everything that comes across your desk. But at the same time, if you're hearing something consistently, do try to find a way to solve that problem, even if it's just by referral. You yeah. Know, you generate yeah. Some, some goodwill with the client or prospect yeah. if you can point them in the right or direction. Or even, I mean, some of the conversation that we had in the Sucks community was, you know, here are several people who actually do offer it. So maybe there's a partnership there and you can start to build an outsourced team from that perspective too. But to your point, I think it's really important to pay attention to what the trends are doing. We are seeing a lot, a lot, a lot of retainers go away and clients are just doing project work now. And they may keep agencies on for years, but they're just doing projects versus retainers. So it's significantly more challenging to predict cash flow. So when you have a client or a prospect come to you and say, we'd really like you to do this and we'll keep you on retainer, go for it because it's not happening a lot right now. Right. I would agree. I've certainly seen a lot of the same thing. And, and you know, of course, the challenge too with project work is, you know, for most agencies, project work is not as profitable right. as retainer work, right? right? So it also requires if you continue to see that on that same trend in your own agency, how does that make you rethink how you price things or how do you rethink your cost structure in order to address that? Because it is a very different animal project income versus retainer income and not just from a cash flow perspective, it's the profitability of it that can be wildly different as well yeah. if you're not yeah. careful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can uh, over you know, pr- pr- that big, big time. Yeah. If you're doing this, projects for the same client, okay, that's not quite as bad because you start to learn that client, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, so much for an agency is learning the client for the first time. And so if you're just doing a lot of one-off projects for clients, then you're investing a ton of time just trying to figure them out. Yep. And it's hard to charge them for that. It is right? hard to charge them for <laughs> that. You know, it's hard to say, look, I, you know, I really don't know anything about your industry. You know, I'm going to have to factor in that it's going to cost me, you know, several thousand dollars worth of staff time just to figure out what your industry is. Right. Most clients aren't going to respond too well. Right. You still need to find a way to recoup that cost. Right. Right. You just you just right. can't be really overt about it if you want to win the business at least. Well, it is interesting and I wish our friend well because it's a great problem to have. It's still a problem. It is. It's always uh, helpful when prospects are coming to you and asking you for services. Right. It's hard to complain from that perspective, but making sure that you figure out how to navigate those and make sure that you're not digging yourself a hole by agreeing to do something that you can't do well or profitably and trying to figure out how to turn it into something that will make both parties happy, I think is really the key. Totally agree. And so with that, Ginny, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Agency Leadership Podcast. And so that means I'm Chip Griffin. And I am Ginny Dietrich. And it depends. If you're ready to change the face of PR, make sure you subscribe to the Spin Sucks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and a review. 